Hi, this is Olivia Cook. And I'm Amber Duffney. And this is The Empowered Woman. Badass and unfiltered. My co-host Amber and I created this podcast to highlight the badass women we know and love. We did this with the goal of empowering women and supporting each other on the journey of life and business. We show women that they can still be a badass, make a difference in the world, leave a legacy, all while rocking their femininity. Now let's dive in. Have you ever lost a child and did not know how to cope? Do you blame yourself? Did you blame yourself? Did you get mad at God? The woman I'm interviewing today lost her one of her four children on the day of her daughter's first birthday. Now, you know, this would not be the empowered woman, badass and unfiltered podcast if this wasn't a story of triumph. Get ready to laugh, cry and heal. Since then, my guest has been on a path of bringing light and healing others wherever she goes. She considers herself a certified inspirational junkie, and today she will be sharing her story of loss and healing. Thanks so much for joining me today, Leah. And also, guys, if you're listening to this and you want to get in contact with her, she is a Reiki practitioner. Her links are in the comments below. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. Thank you, Olivia, for having me. I'm so excited. I am so excited. Of course. So I want to first, I want you to start, just tell the listeners your story of, you know, your, your daughter's journey. Yeah. So my name is Leah. My daughter's name was Makayla Monet Carter. Uh, Kyla got to be with us against all odds. Uh, back in 2014, the day before Mother's Day, my water broke and I was just about 22 weeks pregnant or so. Um, we were told that night if Kyla was born, she was probably not going to live. Um, me and Kyla made it through the night. We were transferred to a hospital that was more equipped uh, to take on a child that if I were to give birth to her, you know, they, they have everything that they need to try to save her. But even once we got to that hospital, they said, you know, she's not considered viable until you are 23 weeks pregnant. So already off, off top, I'm nervous because I'm like, well, I'm only 22 weeks. I got to make it at least a whole nother week and some days. Well, me and Kyla, we make it to 23 weeks and three days. Uh, she was born at six o'clock in the morning on May the 23rd. She came into this world quiet, but she came in strong. Um, even after that, it was a lot of touch and go with Kyla through her time in the NICU. Uh, she ended up spending 285 days there. Oh my um, yeah, even through that, uh, her first month of life was hard. Uh, she contracted a virus that's called NEC or NEC that affected her intestines and it actually almost killed her. But Kyla and her little resilient self, she went through the surgery at one month old, almost exactly to the date, made it through surgery and, and thrived. Uh, even from there, she ended up having to get uh, pieces of her intestines removed. She also ended up having to get a feeding tube and things. But by March, we were able to bring my daughter home finally. Uh, she did come home on a ventilator because her lungs were still very underdeveloped. But I mean, either way, you know, we got to bring her home. Um, even once home, it was still, 
uh, touch and go, but we were just glad to have her. Um, she did keep getting pneumonia, so she still had little bouts in the hospital and things. But that little girl just always constantly smiled through all of that. So then um, May 23rd comes around. It's her first birthday. We're all super excited. You know, friends are finally getting to meet her. This would be the first time that a lot of uh, my friends and, and coworkers and things were going to be able to meet Kyla in person. Um, for her birthday, we did decide that her uh, party theme was going to be superhero theme because she was our superhero. She just superpowers just. <laughs> but um. Unfortunately, uh, on that day, my daughter, she gained her wings and it was, um, it's not what we expected to happen that day. You know, you're, you're getting, we, we get to my parents' house to celebrate and we're getting ready. We're blowing up balloons, putting together party favors and my daughter, she just all of a sudden she uh what what we call coded she turned blue all of a sudden and me and my uh my husband at the time he's my ex-husband now but her father uh we we didn't panic right away we just kind of went into go mode where we did everything to try to save my daughter but um you know as god would have it that was her day to go home so I don't ever want anybody to be sad when they hear this story, because I'm sure as we go through and continue to have the conversation, you're going to hear the story of resilience and the story of triumph, like you said in the introduction. Like it's it's not necessarily a sad story. It has an unexpected ending, but there is so much to learn from Kyla and so much that I've learned from being able to experience her. So. It's a very powerful story, and I could see how a lot of people could be very sad hearing it. I got very sad hearing it the first time and this time, um, because I, I I don't even have children, and I could not imagine, like, you know, all of the things you went through dealing with her in the hospital, you know, just the fear and all of the, that anxiety that you had to be dealing with, like, and you're the way that you took that experience and learned so much from Kyla, like how, how did you t do that? You know, Olivia, I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I don't want to lie to anybody. It was hard. It was, it was hard, you know, to hear the words from the doctor and see the doctor shaking his head I just remember looking and I, and I said to the doctor, I said, so, so that's it. That's all I could, that's all I could get out. My, my, my daughter's gone. You know, in the coming days, I was trying to stay strong because I have other children. I, I still had my two sons and my other daughter and I'm trying to be strong, trying to get through making arrangements and things, you know, for her funeral and just trying to prepare my mind and heart for that. And even once that was done, that's when the the real emotions and things come because the funeral finalizes everything. Mm -hmm. The funeral is what lets you know, this is it. Um, we did have Kyla cremated. So when I got her, when I got her in this urn, I'm just, I remember just looking at the urn like, 
this urn represents the sum total of my daughter. And what am I going to do now? And yes, I questioned God because I didn't understand why would you do this to me? Why would you do this to my family? Why would you, why would you let us, you know, go through all these different phases with Kyla? We're excited to bring her home. She looks great. She's thriving. She's, she's, you know, going through her obstacles and she is just, you know, taking them down, taking them down. Anytime a doctor said she's not going to do this, Kyla did that. So I'm like, well, why would you, why would you do this to me? And I was angry. I was, I was pissed off. I did not, I didn't want to pray. I didn't, I didn't want good tidings and, oh, it's going to, cause it wasn't okay. It wasn't. I was stripped down to my core of everything that I knew as far as how this stuff works, life, God, all of that. So as far as getting through it, um, I did end up going to therapy um, as suggested, you know, by the, the doctors and nurses and things, they suggested that I go and I did. Um, when I did go, they did diagnose me with um, PTSD um, because I did, you know, I witnessed the death of my daughter. Um, I was also diagnosed with um, depression and also generalized anxiety disorder. Um, from there, they did put me on five different medications. Um, I can't even remember the name oh <laughs> of all five. Five. <laughs> Girl, yes. <laughs> five different medications to, um, I guess, try to level me out as much as possible, but they did me more harm than good because I was numb. I was just mm -hmm. numb. I, there, I remember there being times I wanted to cry for my baby and let that out. And I, and I couldn't because I was, I was just numb. You know, I have to say something about that because I feel like I, I always, I end up getting into these conversations about pharmaceutical companies and how I don't like them. I do believe that there is a purpose for medicine. I always have yes. to say that. I, I absolutely believe that there are some people that should be on medication. However, I do not think that that should be the first choice. I also do not believe that that's the proper way of healing. I believe that that is just a Band-Aid. And I don't, I, it, you will not get the true healing that you need. And then coming off of them, I mean, oh. can you can you talk about that a little bit? Like, because did you come yes. off of all of them? I did. Wow. And I and I did it against doctor's order. Um, I started to do my own research on the long-term effects of all the different medications. And I made up in my mind, I was like, I don't, I don't want, this. <laughs> you know, I don't want any of this, you know, that is saying we're going to be long-term effects for me. The withdrawal from, you know, self-weaning, it is one of the hardest things to go through physically and mentally, um, I, I almost gave up and was like, you know, forget all that. I might as well stay on the medication, you know, having the shakes and heart palpitations and things from not, you know, I had stayed on these medications probably another year, year and a half or so after Kyla's passing. Um, 
but the withdrawal from it is it's crazy it took me probably a month and a half to to completely not take the medications anymore and even after that i could feel my body still wanting to take the medications now what i did do in the in between time is start to incorporate some other self healing things like i got into like lavender oil for like the anxiety i picked up meditation and learning how to center myself and and breathing exercises to learn you know when i do feel the heart palpitations and and things like that you know to, i i taught myself how to you know breathe breathe through those things and then another thing is what came with anxiety is a lot of the things were all in my head Mm-hmm. So that's where meditation comes in as a great alternative to medications because you're learning to center your thoughts and center your mind and allowing, you know, any negative thoughts that may come to pass through with no judgment. Because I know one of the main things that caused my anxiety after Kyla's passing was now I'm looking at my other kids like, well, I hope they don't die. So and that's that's a negative thought. You know, mm-hmm. her outcome was an extreme outcome. You know, people do die every day. But again, hers was unexpected and very extreme. And I didn't want to put that type of energy into the air where, oh, well, is when is the next kid going? You know, that type of thing. I didn't want to do that. So meditation and and listening in on myself and getting to the uh, the root of why I was having these negative thoughts, that also helped in the beginning of the self-healing journey that I that I started. You said something so powerful, just simply about meditation and being able to switch those thoughts and realizing the thoughts that are negative and that you did not want to put that out there. So many people can't get to that place, especially while they're detoxing from that type of medication, not only like that type of medication, but like if they choose to use other drugs and they have to detox from them as well, like the, the, that detoxing process is not easy. So to be yeah. able to have that level of a head. And I mean, this is like a year and a half after, like, where would you say the, I mean, I know you did the research, but where did the light switch just click that? It's like, I have to do this. I have to get out of this and I have to live a positive lifestyle. So it uh, on Facebook, I was invited to a law of attraction group Um, and law of attraction, you know, just kind of briefly touching on it. It's one of the 12 universal laws um, of basically your thought creating things. So I remember just kind of sitting in the group. I I wasn't um, active, but I would go in there and read the different posts and things that people were saying about, about it. And, and just certain things came came to me and started to be shown to me. From the law of attraction group, uh, I was introduced to Reiki as a way to do self-healing by by touch. And it's also with energy. Um, And then, like I said, just different things started to fall in place, step by step, that led me to, aha, there's other things that I can do outside of these medications to help in my healing journey. And that's one of the things I want people to know. Like you said earlier, medicine does have their place. You know, if, if, if you really need it, then I would encourage someone to reach out to a health, uh, you know, a health professional to see if it's something that they really, really need. But understand there's other 
alternatives, more holistic that are better for your body and are also better long-term because not even just going through the death of a child, but meditation and Reiki and knowing, you know, the different laws, you know, the law of attraction and law of correspondence and all the other things that come, you know, in that particular category of things, they, they help you just even in everyday life and coping with everyday, you know, things that happen. Oh, you had a bad day at work. Well, you know, the meditation techniques and things that I know, can help you get through that so that you're not bringing your work home. So, so yeah, that, that particular group on Facebook was kind of like where I was like, I can do something else to help me in my healing, something that works a little bit better for me. And that's not so bad for my body and for my mental in the long run, because taking those medications, like I said, they make you numb. You, mm -hmm. you're just kind of, here going through emotions and that even led into you know um uh like kind of the in, in, i was about to say entanglement not entanglement but the the entanglement of my marriage and and just so many different things with staying on those medications so yeah i um i was reading this um, book i just finished it it's the big leap and he talked about an entanglement and I, you know what, when I heard this, I was like, you know, I didn't understand what Jada was saying. I don't think the rest of the world understood what Jada was saying because <laughs> an entanglement in a relationship are two different things. And she was actually saying something. And I was like, well, a bunch of people are stupid and I didn't complain about her talking about an entanglement, yeah. but yeah. also he mentioned, um, living life and feeling real human emotions. Yes. And without any drug induced emotions or anything like that, but real, like no alcohol or drug or, you know, whatever induced emotions, but the real happiness and the yeah. fact that medicine does like th those type of medicines take away the feeling of that real happiness. So it's not, you're not only losing the real pain, but you're losing the real happiness too. Yes. Yes. And the thing with that is because like you said, when you're on different medications or if you're, you know, taking illicit drugs or if you're drinking, you're just masking, uh, you're, you're just putting a bandaid on it. You're not truly allowing yourself to fully have your human experience of processing those emotions that come up. And that's another reason why I was like, I don't want to stay on these medications. I want to be able to feel this because that's the only way that I'm going to heal it. I mm -hmm. want to be able to feel this grief. I want to be able to feel this anger that I feel, but I also want to be able to feel the joy that I feel when it comes to the fact that I do still have children here. I do still have things to live for. I do still have memories and good times, you know, with my daughter. I want to be able to experience that with, with, with no, with nothing in my way of doing that. So when you started healing, when you started experiencing things again, when, when did you start seeing Kyla's strength show up in your life? You know, in anything that I did, any any meeting that I had with someone, 
I felt like there was no type of coincidence in that, right? And I would just always remember her light. Like I remember Kyla being in the NICU and the nurses from other, they called them bays. All, they have the, the uh, rooms broke up into bays. And the nurses would come from other bays to come and see Kyla. She was like a, like a celebrity. And it was because Kyla smiled through everything. I mean, everything. But that girl had the biggest smile. No matter what, like I said earlier, no matter what she was told, no matter what surgery or procedure she was going to have to get, Kyla smiled. Even though I could look at my baby and know that my child was in pain, you know, you, she got tubes, she has you know, mask and things on her and, but she smiled and was just always so, so joyful. So I'm like, as an adult, that's something that I take with me. That's one of the things that I learned from her is, is through it, you smile because there's so many things in life we can't control. Kyla could not control any of what was happening to her. I couldn't control any of what was happening to her. But what she chose to do, even in her little her little itty bitty self, what she chose to do was just be joyful. Because there were other babies in there that they didn't, you know, they 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 didn't have that that joy and that and all of them, you know, I know that they all probably felt and went were going through their thing, but Kyla just something something about her, something about her. And I take that with me and I am determined through the rest of my life here on this earth to continue to be that light and to take that light and to smile through pain. And I'm not gonna lie, every day is not a great day. Mm -hmm. It's not. And, and every day is not bubble gum and rainbows. I, I won't even sit here and try to say that it is. But what I have become good at because of Kyla is finding the silver lining on every single cloud. Everything is either a lesson or it is a blessing. And that's the way that I choose to look at things. Even the death of my daughter was both lessons and blessings in her entire story from start to finish. Her lesson of being resilient, her lesson of pushing through, even in adversity, even when people tell you that you're not going to be able to do something, you're not going to make it, you're against all odds, you have to continue to push through. And then even her life itself just came full circle. To die on your birthday, that's, that's rare. To spend 285 days in the NICU the way that you do and to be told so many times that you're not going to make it, that is, it's, it's superior. It's, it's, that's a big deal mm -hmm. for you to do that. So that's what I'm able to take away and draw from my, my little baby girl. And, and that's what I would want to tell others, even with everything we have going on right now with COVID and people are losing their jobs and people are, you know, they're down and out, you know, there, there is a silver lining. You have to find the little reasons to smile. Look mm -hmm. up in the clouds, you know, the way the sun touches your skin, you're, you're up, you're breathing, you're able to see, you have your limbs. You know, if you have a car, you have a car to drive, it has got, and, it, it, and that goes into two, I learned from Kyla to learn 
how to just be thankful and mm -hmm. and to express gratitude for even the smallest things because her you know she had little triumphs here and there and we were so happy about it you know it's to other parents it's just kind of like okay you know what but the little things day by day that she was doing we express gratitude for it. it's like whoa that's a big deal so even now i do that even the the smallest of things i express gratitude for and that comes from kyla it comes from just watching and taking note and sitting back from a moment. I think sometimes we forget that our kids can can teach us if we're willing to be open to being taught. I think as adults, we kind of get a little bit jaded and so stuck in the rigmarole of the world that we don't pay attention to the, the lessons that our own kids are trying to teach us. So yeah, that's what I've learned from Kyla, that's the, the main lesson is through it all, no matter what they tell you, anything and everything is possible. It just, it is. I love that. That's, and it's such a beautiful story just to hear, like, I I'm like sitting here imagining her like all like, I don't even know what she looked like, but like, just, just a, a happy, joyous baby and you know I'm, I must say I have to come out to Corpus Christi Texas and just hang out with you because I just love your energy I love <laughs> your energy I just I love like I it, you're so grounded and centered and positive and that's that's such a rare thing to find especially from people like from someone that has lost something like a child you know at such a young age and I've met and like also watched a lot of interviews with other people that have lost children and they don't have this, like, it's clear that you love her and you miss her, but you choose to be positive and you choose to, and it's, and I think it, and when I started doing the same thing, cause I, I first started doing the law of attraction a few years ago as well. Right. And, um, people it's it's almost like a switch it's like people don't realize how what you put out is what you get back yes exactly and you know and as christians and stuff like that people don't realize like that it's all in there like it, it's all you it's it's just said different but seriously right. you what you put out into this world turns right back around and i love yes. the fact that you said it's either a lesson or a blessing and looking, and I need to get better at that, looking at more things as lessons. Now, I do look at a lot of things as lessons, but not everything. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but I need to get better at doing that because it's true. Like, I, I was going through some seasonal affective disorder this mm -hmm. year. And uh, was super, super depressed and stressed out from my day job. And I, uh, I said to myself, I said, you know what, what can I learn from this? Let right. me start doing this to start training my replacement. Because <laughs> 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 when I would be stressed out before, before COVID, I'd be like, you know what? I just can't wait to train my, tra like train my replacement. Like, that's what I would say to myself. Right. But now it's like, 
how do I learn how to do something that I don't really enjoy so I can teach it to somebody else so I can be out? (laughs) Yeah. No, I get it. (laughs) I get it. So when you found Reiki, how did you know that that was something that you wanted to do? I, you know, I always felt like I was gifted and had gifted hands. Um, Not only that, um, the gentleman that was uh, the Reiki master that was our teacher, his name, Joseph Meter is his name. Just the, the way that he taught the class and the way that he explained the universe and the way that things work, it was another time that a light bulb went off. And then just the connections that I made with people there, like I'm still in contact. And this is now, that was 2017 that I went to my first uh, Reiki class to get certified. I'm still friends with a lot of them. I felt at home. Like when we were all in that class and talking and working on one another. And then also that evening, I stayed behind after the class because they had a Reiki healing circle. Um, I stayed behind to have uh, a session done to me. And I remember having five people on me at one time. And when I say intense and powerful and what I could feel in my mind and in my body, the deep, deep, deep healing that I was going through, I was like, I want to be able to do this for other people. I always feel like I've had a healing light. But now with what I've been taught through Reiki and how it works and what it can do, I want to be able to provide that to other people. So, yes, the main thing was feeling at home. It didn't feel awkward to me when they were teaching us how to do it and feeling through your hands and and tapping into that universal energy and feeling into people's chakras and being in tune. I, I felt at home. I felt like this was an extra layer to a gift that I already had. So that's what's so so great about Reiki. That's how I knew, yeah, this, this is for me. <laughs> I've only experienced it like once and I wasn't, I wasn't open then. I was not, I was also with somebody that was very closed off. So right. when you're with people that are not, and I was, I was a lot younger and did not understand this world. Um, and just did not understand that there's other, there's so many different forms of healing and stuff and people, oh, yes. that's weird. No, 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 no. This right here, like, I, I, I want to experience that because it's so, I don't think people realize how much like you can connect through yes. those things and how much you hold on to stress and trauma in your body. Yes. Yes. The other thing is that I like for for people to know with Reiki, when someone is the Reiki healer, we're actually just the facilitator of the healing. We're the channel. Um, You yourself, though, ultimately heal yourself. So I, I, because I still do uh, Reiki sessions, both over the phone or through video, and, and I have some that will come in person. And I let them know if it's their first time, please don't come with preconceived notions of what this is supposed to look like and feel like. Cause I, I don't, cause every experience is different. 
And every experience will be different for, for every single person. Somebody may get tingly feelings. Somebody may get the shakes. Somebody may suddenly, you know, get cold or, or really hot or they may sweat or you may cry. I know that session that I had with five people on me. I remember there was a, her name was Jamie. And um, as they're working on me, I can, I start crying. I just burst out crying. And I remember Jamie going, I need you to make the sound, Leah. And I hear her say it, but I'm kind of in, in a moment. I'm, I'm crying. And I hear her say it again, but she said it very sternly this time. She said, I need you to make the sound. And Olivia, the sound that came out of me was the same scream that I did a couple days after my daughter's passing. It was a guttural deep within scream. And I mean, and I couldn't stop. And, and as I'm screaming, I can feel myself, I'm getting hot. Like I'm getting hot, I'm starting to sweat. I'm crying even more. But when all was said and done, I felt so light, almost like I was on a high. I just felt light. And that's one of the things now, again, everyone's experience won't be quite that intense and that deep, but I was able to open myself up and allow that type of deep healing to happen in that session. So like I said, every Reiki session is different. Never go in with a preconceived notion of this is what it's gonna look like. This is what it should sound like. This is what I should feel. All you really need to do is go in with the open mind and with the intention that healing is for me. And this is one of the ways that I'm going to do it is through Reiki. I love that healing is for me. And this is one of the ways that I'm going to do it. Yes. I, I love that so much. And, and so many other parents that have lost children needed to hear that too, because it's healing is for you. There's yes. no reason why it shouldn't be. Yes. And even if you don't have kids and you're listening to this or you haven't lost a child and you're listening to this, you know, take that, you know, everyone has things to heal from. Right. Exactly. And don't ever think that you can't. And it takes time. It's not easy, but I feel like time over time, you can choose to learn the lessons that you have to. Yes. And I was getting ready to chime in on that because you had mentioned earlier about choices, mm -hmm. how you decide to look at things. You have a choice. That is the one thing that you're guaranteed to have is a choice. You could choose joy. You could choose happiness. You could choose to be sad. You could choose to, to, to drink. You could choose to do drugs. You could choose to not care. You have choices. But that goes again into like law of attraction with the choices. However you think, that is what your reality is going to become. So whenever you choose joy, the universe, God, creator, whatever resonates with you as, you know, the higher being power or whatever you want to call it, that will align. And those are the experiences that you will have because of your choices. Absolutely. You have to, you have, and you have to consciously choose these things because in otherwise you stay in this space where you don't get your, give yourself room to heal. You just stay in that. And, and that's not, that's not good. And, and, and the other thing with that is staying in that type of mental will start to mess with your physical. It will manifest physically. You have a lot of people that that's how they end up having heart attacks, strokes and, mm -hmm. and things like that. 
it affects us on not only the physical level, but also mentally, spiritually. So try to control as much as you can the things that you can control. And one of the things is your thoughts mm-hmm. and the way that you choose to look at things. Oh, absolutely. We, and I see it as like, with, with there's so much uncertainty in this world. And I always say, you know what? There's always uncertainty because tomorrow is not promised. But yes. we can choose, we can control how we react to things. Yep. And that's that's pretty much that's pretty much it. So you choose your reaction to what you're doing and you follow suit. And you know, so many people want to stay in a, a victim place, but mm. they don't want to necessarily be victors. They want to just mm. You know, just stay stuck. Yep. That's real. That's real. And again, you 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 get to decide. Mm-hmm. You can sit here and keep telling your your you can keep telling the story of being victim and you will stay in that victim mentality. And again, you will never grow out of that. You you have to learn you are a conqueror. We all are. Mm-hmm. We all have the power to get out of the position that we're in or out of the emotion that we're in. We all have the power to heal, but you have to consciously choose that. You know, it it, it sounds good. And yeah, it can be hard to choose that. I'm not going to lie. I have days where I want to sit and I want to sulk and I want to be mad and I want to be sad and that's okay. But just the thing is, don't stay there too long. Once you're done Mm -hmm. crying, once you're done being angry, once you're done throwing stuff or whatever consciously choose at that point. You know what? No, I'm not going to stay here. I deserve to heal. I can heal. I'm going to do whatever it is I got to do to heal. And then the other thing with the healing is making sure to try to get to what the actual roots of of the problem is and Mm -hmm. then working from there and finding what's best for you. Healing also looks different for every person. Just like I was saying about Reiki, Healing itself looks different for every person. Some people meditate, some people journal, some people go to therapy. There's so many different things that you can do to heal. And I know people probably get, go heal, go heal. You get tired of hearing people tell you that, but they don't tell you what to go do. Mm -hmm. Start with journaling. Journaling was probably one of the first things that I did too to help because you start to journal out your feelings, how like how you had had probably had a diary as a young girl or, or young boy, if you have men on here listening, you had a journal, you wrote out your feelings for that day. Do that same thing. Write it out. Even if it's what I call a brain dump, you know, just whatever comes to mind, just write it down, write it down, go back to it later. And then your, your brain will start to make it make sense. And then you can say, okay, I feel like this because of this. And then you work through that. Mm-hmm. From there, you're able to get to the root and consciously decide, okay, from here on out, when I feel that trigger, that trigger, I'm going to react differently because now I know what it is. Yep. Now I know why. And there's, and there's always new challenges. Cause you know, this is the journey of life, the, and you always deal with new things. So you have these new hurdles. So it's nice to have all of these things in your toolbox and not to forget because yeah. there's ebbs and flows of life. There's these ups and downs, you know, and that like, that's like, it, it reminds me of when I was dealing with like my seasonal affective disorder. Cause I, I used, I've dealt with depression since I was like six years old, never diagnosed, you know, right. And I'm oh, out yeah. of nowhere and then go right away. But I remember as a child, I, uh, 
I asked my mom when I was six, I said, mom, how old do I have to be to buy a gun so I can shoot myself? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I don't feel like that now. And I have guns in my house. (laughs) Oh my goodness, please. People think I'm crazy, but I'm serious. Like at that moment when I was younger, I thought, you know, the world was just so horrible and I had no idea. So recently when I was going through this, I was like, I allow myself to feel the emotions when I wasn't ready to, Mm. to be like, okay, get, get yourself out of this shit. You know, like I allowed myself to feel those so I could let them go faster because so many times we will suppress our emotions and they get, they, they just get down there. I'm like, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm gonna let myself feel this. Right. So I felt it for like a week and a half, but the first like couple of days, I didn't realize what it was. I didn't realize why I was so upset. Um, it, it would just be like little drippets and I was just like, oh, I'm just so stressed. And then it just kept getting worse for a couple of days. And I was like, no. And I ended up pulling myself out of it in like three days. It only mm-hmm. took me three days to pull myself out. But yeah. I mean, th- that's progress because I mean, shit, yes. it used to take me like, right. <laughs> I'd be depressed for a whole month. Just when I, like two years ago, when I first moved to the Midwest, um, we had just evacuated from a hurricane. We lost 80% wow. of our belongings and um, we evacuated to Atlanta. I had built a new life in Atlanta for like three months and then the military finally gave us our base. So I come right. up here, my husband is still in Florida and um, I'm by myself and I realize I don't like the cold. Your girl is from the South and I, uh, I don't like snow. I got stuck in the snow for an hour. My first full day here looking at a house, didn't buy that house um, because the driveway was messed up and um, it just, I never felt so alone in my life. Because I was literally in a town where I knew no one. Right. And um, now my husband's deployed and I don't feel alone because I have built a really good relationship with God. And I also have a phenomenal amount of friends, but I realized how important that was for me to have that support system. But I'm also so much more comfortable being by myself. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, in isolation is where your true growth happens. Learning how to be by yourself and sit by yourself and work through stuff on your own without anyone being around, that mess is hard. It is. Mm -hmm. But when you're in that silence, when you're in those moments by yourself is where you get to listen to your soul and to your higher self or whatever you want to call it. And, and it will tell you what it needs and what it wants in order to, to create that space for you, for you to grow. I used to be to where I couldn't be alone. I couldn't like, I just, the thought of being alone scared me. Um, but parts of my healing from, you know, what happened with my daughter, even going into healing now, I've discovered that being alone is is the best type of healing, especially when you're doing it again with without medication, without anything that's keeping you from feeling like that is when you're really going to learn the most about who you are and what steps you need to take in order to move forward. Yeah. Listening to your inner authority. 
and like really connecting with that. And it's so many people don't even realize that they can do that, but it it's very powerful. I want to also ask you, like, how did the change in you change your children that are still here? So, you know, I, I'll be honest. I don't know if they see a change <laughs> themselves. My, my oldest son, he's, he's 17 now. I mean, he's, he says that my, my smile does seem brighter than it was. Also a uh, homegirl over here has lost some weight. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Ow. <laughs> but just, you know, it's, it's little things like that, that they've noticed. Like my, my other son, He's only 13. He's doing his, his own thing. And, and my, my daughter, she's eight, she's doing her own thing. So I don't know if they necessarily see the change, but I know the change is there. Even in how I approach my kids in certain situations, the way that I would have normally reacted, you know, five years ago, six years ago, I react completely different now. Another thing that I am able to do for my kids now is listen. That's something that I finally learned how to do because I used to have a habit of talking over my kids or just kind of being like, well, you know, you're going to do what I said because I said so. Mm -hmm. But instead now I, with what I know, with the way that these things work, I allow my kids to express themselves. I listen, I actually listen to what they're saying. And then, then I make an informed decision about how to approach it after that. I don't shut them up. You know, say, say what you're going to say and get it out. I feel like that helps to make them more well-rounded for when they go into this world. I don't want my kids to be the type of kids that people can walk all over and talk all over. Mm -hmm. So I don't do that to my kids. And that's something that I've learned through being able to center myself, even in the moments that I'm mad at them. Let me step back for a moment and evaluate exactly what's going on. So then that way I can make a response from a place of love rather than a place of being angry. That I, I'm so happy that you said that because it's something that I see very common in the black community mm-hmm. mm. that like, okay, my grandparents, they're no longer with us. God bless them. Like, you know, they're, they're in heaven. Um, but uh, they were, you know, Southern Jehovah's witnesses mm-hmm. and very successful, owned multiple businesses and uh, in a time where black people didn't own businesses and stuff. And uh, right. they, they always had theirs and very, a lot of property. And um, they, but my father was not, was an atheist and did not uh, receive any of those benefits. Yeah. Uh, so your girl <laughs> had to get it out of the mud, but- <laughs> But, but in all seriousness, <laughs> no, I had to work for everything I got. I would right, never give it to right, But seriously, like I'll, I watch how like my aunts, certain aunts and stuff will like handle the children and it's kids are seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. Kids, it's like, it's shut up. I don't have anything to he- hear from me. It, it's very very strict and and it's so tense with that side of my family I love them I really do I'm I'm happy I'm not a child anymore though um (laughs) right (laughs) exactly 
Because my mom was so different than that too. And like that, that was my dad's side of the family, but my mom, like she was very calm. My mom was very much like a hippie, like chill, very similar to you. And it's like, she'll, she would step back. And I would, when I would get mad as a teenager, she'd be like, you'll get over it. And that crap would make me so mad. Yeah. But she was right. Yeah. She was right. And I'm going to say that to my kids too. You'll get over it. Like she was, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I'm I mean, so happy that when, you said that you I do that. My... Go ahead. I'm sorry, dear. I'm so happy that you said that you actually listen to your children because that is something that is missing in the black community. Yeah. yeah. My thing with my children is I let them know for every action is a reaction. Whatever decision you decide to make, there's going to be a consequence of some sort, whether it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. I will allow for my kids to fall flat on their face. And I'm not going to hit them with the, I told you so. And it's like, well, that's the natural, the natural reaction to the action that you decided to take, you know? And, and then with everything going on. And like I said, I have a son that's getting ready to graduate and go out into this world. I want them to be comfortable with talking to me about whatever. Mm-hmm. And I want them to always know that even in these actions and reactions and consequences and things that can happen, understand that I'm here for you and I love you just the same. You know, that's something that I feel is, is, is sometimes missing with us too. I absolutely Making agree with sure that. Express that love and that things are going to happen and you probably are going to make some pretty bad decisions in life. I mean, that's life. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm perfect and I made all great because I didn't. Mm-mm, I know my kids, they have, even at the ages that they're at, they've had to learn lessons. But understand that even at the end of the day, you're still mine. You still belong to me. And I still love you no matter what. I still got your back no matter what. You, you have a failure. Well, let's work through why the failure happened. Tell me what made you make that decision. I'm going to tell you why it didn't work. And if I don't have the answer to why it didn't work, we're going to find out together and research it ourselves on why that decision didn't work. So, you know, as parents, you, you, you gotta sometimes get out of that for a minute. And I think I mentioned that earlier as adults, we get jaded. We don't mm-hmm. listen to our kids, not realizing that there's lessons in some of the things that they're trying to say, hell, your kids, you may not even realize it because you're not listening. Your kids may actually have the message that you need to help you in your healing. Mm-hmm. But you're so stuck on I'm an adult. Whatever I say is what goes. La 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 la. You 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 missed your blessing right there through your own child. You missed it. That that is so powerful. This is just giving me so much life. I I needed this today. <laughs> I needed this today because no, there's just I feel like we touched on so many things. Like yeah, and. It's, it's so nice to see and hear about positive relationships with parents and their children, especially in the Black community, because you hear such other negative things. Granted, I, I have plenty of Black friends, you know, and I don't really see that, like what they're, they're saying online, but I guess I don't befriend those type of people that right. they're talking about, like, but... There are certain things that I am aware of that, you know, could be better. And I'm, I'm happy to see that that change is actually happening. I'm happy to see that we're taking mental health a lot more seriously in our community. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I know with, you know, the generation that we have now and, and, and the new one too, it's like, and I mean, God bless you. Cause you've got teenagers and I was a teenager and I was a demon teenager. Like, I mean, I was good, but like, I talked back so much. So, I mean, for you to be able to say, that, listen that to was, them. That was my problem. And I did pass that problem down to my kids because they, like I said, they expressed themselves just like I attempted to express myself, except the way that I was brought up, you know, you, you don't, you don't do that. My mom was quick. You're getting snatched up. You're getting popped in the mouth, something you're, you don't do that. Now that's not me. Um, that's not my particular parenting style, you know, more power to anybody if that is theirs, but that's not mine. Again, I allow my kids to express themselves to me as long as they don't disrespect me now, you know, cursing and, and stuff. I, I don't, you know, yeah. if, if you're that angry, okay, we're going to stop the conversation here. You go ahead in your room, you come out and we can try this again at a later time. But, you know, the main thing again is there's certain things that I went through as a child with the way that I was disciplined that I, that I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. That's not what I want to bring my kids up in, you know, touch, putting, putting my hands on my kids and stuff. I'm just not really, that's not me. I remember one time I did go to whip my son, my, my younger son. And I remember when I did it, I instantly started crying instantly. Cause I was like, how did I allow this child to make me so angry? I'm the adult. How did I allow this child to make me so angry to the point that I put my hands on him and cause pain? On my own child. I don't think that people realize how much trauma that beating their children gives them. There, everybody's like, well, you know, it all it all depends on the kids and so. But I'm like, we are we are not animal. Like we're animals, but we're not dogs. Right, we're not dogs. Right. Like my dog. You don't have to do all that. But that comes again into conscious decisions. You have a choice in that moment, even with your child, on how you're going to react to how they're acting. And sometimes I think it's sad if your first reaction is to put your hands on your child. Why yeah. are you as the adult not able to step back for a moment and just kind of evaluate what's going on? Tell your child to go to their room for a moment and, and to calm down. And then when everybody is, you know, calmer, then y'all go back to, okay, so what's really going on? You know, you ask that question then. And you can answer it, ask it very sternly. Like, what's the deal with you today? Because I've had to do that before to, to my kids. Isaiah come in here with it. My oldest son's name is Isaiah. He come in here with it. Well, what's, what's going on today, man? Oh, you don't want to talk about it right now? Okay. But we'll wait till you calm down. And then we'll come back. We'll try to talk about it then. I don't ever have to resort to putting... My hands on my child. I wouldn't want to do that. I, I can't see myself doing that. Yeah. It's something um, that I've, I, at first I thought, I, and I'm so happy that I've waited to have children because mm -hmm. at first I would have been the parent that would have beat my children. I know I would have, but now I, I definitely wouldn't. Um, from what I've learned over the years and just what I, what I've learned about things um, because expressing your anger on your kids is not, it's just, 
it, I feel like it does a lot more harm than good in some, in a lot of situations. Right. And it does, it does. You, you, I don't think parents realize the lasting effects that that can have. I never want my kids to have to heal from me. Mm-hmm. That's, that's mm-hmm. bottom line. I want as much as I can to be the greatest mom that I can be. And I'm not perfect, but to be the greatest mom that I can be, I want them to be happy to be around me. I want my kids to love on me and kiss on me. And, you know, even once they leave the home, you know, to be happy to go see mom. And, you know, that's, that's what I want. You know, I don't want my kids to be writing in their journals. They hate me and, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> For real. So I, I, I understand that I'm my kid's mother, but I also try to be somewhat of a friend to them, you know, to create that type of bond mm-hmm. with my kids. And I think that's something else we're missing. I do too, because as they get older, they're going to need a different, a different part from you. Once they're out mm-hmm. your house, they need kind of like the real, they like, they need a person like, yes, they, they, they can look up, like you're the first mentor really, you know, on how to do these certain things in life and they should be able to feel comfortable enough to talk to you. So I have one last question for you. Okay. (laughs) Five years from now, where do you see yourself? Uh, (laughs) Five years from now, I'll be 38 years old. And that's so crazy to even say. I'm just like, God damn, 38. I see myself thriving. I see myself continuing to expand and to ascend. I see myself continuing to spread love. I see myself, and like, for instance, my business continuing to grow like on a bigger, grander scale. Understand like where you see me at now with my business, like, I'm going to be big business. <laughs> I can't wait for it too. I'm going to okay. be right there. Let, like, let me go ahead and claim that. Living living legit will be big business. It'll be a name that everybody knows. But like I said, most of all, just continuing to be me, continuing to shine my light, continue growing. You know, all of it is a continuous cycle of growth. Yes. So five years from now, I expect to continue being great. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. I appreciate that so much because it was very helpful and you brought me so light, so much light. And I hope the listeners found value in this and laughed, cried, and you know, just healed just a yes. little bit. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Olivia. Like I really had a good time. Thank you for allowing me to tell my story. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Empowered Woman podcast, Badass and Unfiltered. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe. For guest opportunities, you can email us at theempoweredwomanpodcast at gmail.com, also linked in the description below.